ladies and gentlemen. Now it's too late with Alan Mosley. Guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley. Joined again this week, again this week, again this week by, I, I mean, I guess the de facto, by by process of forfeit, the, the gold medal <laughs> for late night producer goes to Sherry Voluntary. Sherry, how are you doing? Wonderful. You just can't get enough of me. I know. I like it. It's it's good. You're, well, I mean, you're doing such a good job of pretending to be the producer. Then we'll just we'll just go on pretending. Yes. So, Sherry, I know that you're actually not going to be in the show later when we're talking about all this crazy stock and Robin Hood and all that kind of stuff. But go ahead and right. tell the audience at home just how much money did you lose in the short? <laughs> I lost exactly zero as far as I haven't checked my my investments in a couple of days, but I didn't have any money in that stuff. But if it's affected cryptos, then I've lost some. You know the thing this this is this is like tangentially related to what we're gonna talk about later in the show with our guest, but I kind of wanted to talk about this with you. I see a lot of people saying and, and and it's really more like some of the elite. Some of the elites are saying that, well, the reason why this is such a big issue is because you have all of these people who are not normally in the market who are jumping into the market kind of at the whims of, you know, mm. this kind of populist sort of movement. But you have to have money to get into the market, right? But they Correct. but they have money because they have stimulus checks and they're taking their <laughs> stimulus checks and using that money to buy like AMC or GameStop or or Silver, although right. I think that was a hoax. And yeah, so that but that sort of kind of leads to two interesting questions. Because far be it for me to side with the elites. So it's not that I'm siding <laughs> with the elites. I'm just simply saying, if people really desperately needed stimulus checks that bad, as like they're starving, right? They're starving, Sherry. They need mm. stimulus checks. Ethiopia over here. But then they're able to have that disposable income to go put in GameStop, which, guys, I, I have stepped foot in a GameStop before. I got to tell you, it's been a hot minute since I've stepped foot in a GameStop. So it seems like maybe they weren't hurting for that money as bad as... You see what, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like, I see where okay. going. I see where going. All right. Yeah. I mean, GameStop is sort of... It reminds me, it has that... Scent of death that Blockbuster got like in the last few years. You know, I always death. feel like I'm walking into a Blockbuster. I'm like, I smell it. I smell it coming. This this ripe on scent of death. <laughs> you know what the thing is too, though, is like, I could. This is weird for, to say because obviously it didn't work out this way. I think GameStop was a much newer company. Like Blockbuster was around a long time before mm. GameStop was, and so GameStop is still around when Blockbuster's gone. But you know, but Blockbuster had movies, right? And I think, I think mm. for me at least, granted, I didn't go to Blockbuster a lot because kind of their prices actually kind of sucked. Like, yeah. like your local mom and pop video store was yes. better than, but and all the good B movies. But, but there. that being neither here nor there is that I remember going to the video store because I mean, granted, back in the day, you know, stuff like Netflix or whatever was brand new and it wasn't as widely available. But even but even now, like even like I mean, we can sign on to Netflix right now and you can find lots of things that are not on there or it's not available right. in your region or or you know, and now right. now you're on your VPN and saying I'm from Somalia so that you right. can watch airplane <laughs> or something. So right. 
So, but that was what the old mom and pop video store was good for. Is you could go to the old movie section, and I remember being. This is a random little anecdote. I remember having actually just graduated high school, and and I considered myself a movie connoisseur. But being a young lad, there was lots of classic films I had not seen, like that I had seen references to or had heard other people sure. talk about. But like I didn't own a copy of Deer Hunter. <laughs> when I was born in 1985, right? Wow. So, yeah. so I did that. I remember the summer before my first year in college, I spent several weekends going to the movie store and renting movies like Godfather and mm. Deer Hunter and Deliverance because, you know, squeal right. like a pig. And, yeah. you know, uh, Apocalypse Now. Like lots of movies that were yeah. that were just old enough that they were they were already classics at that time but uh, like why would a random 18 year old in the early 2000s have those movies right on? like you know there were our parents like generation yeah yeah and and well and funny enough like my parents like it's not that they don't like movies but they're not they weren't like huge movie buffs i guess so they didn't have a, a huge home library they were the kind of people that that taped for the young people in the audience, no. in the old days when something was on TV that you liked <laughs> or you rented a movie and you wanted to rent it yeah. forever, you just you just popped your 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 tape in and then you popped the tape yeah. in the other one and you and you right. just ran it and all of a sudden so so the pirate bay was very analog once yeah. upon a time. Yeah, you had to rent a second VCR in order to record the one you wanted. <laughs> so so I'm not saying we did or we didn't, but we had a ton of tapes. But they were all movies that were rented since my childhood so they would have been movies that came out in like the early 90s and on <laughs> so if it came out before 1989 we didn't have it and i hadn't seen it. and so and so i guess i don't even know where i'm going with this other than just to say <laughs> like there was there was a place for that but with gamestop hmm. i don't really see a place for that like with games, so first of all, we're we're further into the future than Blockbuster was. We're its current year. Yeah, you can stream those games. Every game is on Steam or Google or you know, it, you you get a digital license and you download it. No one even has the box anymore. No one no one right. has a CD anymore with a game on it. That's gone. And they're all just digital or or they're it's mobile. Gonna... They're on your freaking phone. Right. Yeah. So. There's something to be said that when people say, well, you know, they have all this money laying around because of the stimulus. Well, I'm saying there might be a little bit of truth to that. I'm not saying you should go grab up the money from the poor people because those poor billionaires <laughs> deserved it more. I'm just saying that there's maybe some truth to that statement. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and then secondly, I could understand there being a place for a depository of lots of classic film or tv that you might still can't get on a streaming service or you know like there's like twenty thousand different streaming services and they all have a share of the intellectual property and i'm not going to have an account on all of them so i don't get right. to see everything like that's kind of that's kind of the thing but so there there makes sense for the video store but gamestop doesn't ha like gamestop has old games as in there's still games that are on discs and right. if it's in the disc era, there's a digital copy of it that you can just download. Possibly for free. But you can just right. download. You can sail the high seas and get it. You don't have to make a tape like we did back in the day. Mm. 
So, um, so yeah, it, it kind of, it kind of, it's kind of like spoiling the end of the show for me to just say now. I feel like they could have found something better to throw their money in than GameStop. Right. Yeah. Maybe some technology, innovation, you know. Yeah. Something. But that's the problem. When you have novices getting involved in a game that's rigged by the elites, when they try to play the game, there's a little victory maybe, but in the end, you gotta you got to be able to beat them, and you can't beat them at that game, not the way they were doing it, so... Well, you know, it's funny. We'll we'll end on that before we take our first break that I actually saw somebody making a comment in in that thread that they one of the stocks, I guess that it was kind of a combination of they got into it late plus it crashed quick. Um and so they ended up basically losing everything they had put in. I think it might have been with yeah. AMC. And it's like, well, you can't you can't have a good belly laugh because the hedge fund guys are losing their shirt and not think it can't happen to you. If you're gonna, if you're gonna look at the market as sort of a form of gambling, then you can't also say, "Well, they're getting what they deserve, yeah. and I'm not." That's not how. Right. Not how if it's it works. all about the laws, then you shouldn't mind losing. <laughs> Speaking of the laws, we're gonna be back with the meme of the week and viewer mail right after this. Don't go. Away. Hey, Sherry. Yes? What time is it? Meme of the week! I love that sound. <laughs> but if we crash the economy, we'll both drown, said the frog. <laughs> Lol, said the scorpion. Lamau. <laughs> Lamau! Lamau is one of my favorite words, by the way. That's why this is the meme of the week. It sounds like something Peppy Le Pew would say. You know, I was actually talking to Mike of Mike and Friends last night, and I and I showed him this meme and said, I think this is going to be the meme of the week. And then I followed that up with, you know, that scorpion really gets me. <laughs> Agent of chaos. I, I personally <laughs> identify as that scorpion right there. I can see that. I can see that. You don't know. I, I think I do. <laughs> you I do. don't know. <laughs> Let's go ahead and answer some viewer mail. All right, we're going to start off with Lyle Durio, who writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, uh, that meme is pretty good. I think mine is better. Thanks, Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Uh, Celeste Annis writes, Dear Alan, or, Dear Alan and Sherry, Harry Potter or the Chronicles of Narnia? Ooh. 
Oh. All right, I'm gonna let you. you I'm, gonna let, I'm gonna let you go first. Okay, I'm gonna. I loved Harry Potter, by the way, and I think there's a lot of great stuff in there. But I think the Chronicles of Narnia has a bigger depth of understanding and meaning, and you know, I, I just I think it's a, a much more deep story. Stories. Yes. So you are correct. That Thank was you. the right answer. So good job. You you win. Yay. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna say Chronicles of Narnia too. Even though they kind of made some, you know, yeah. some some movie faux pas, I feel like. I mean, Liam Neeson as as the as Aslan was good. Everything else yeah. was bad. Was yeah. Whereas obviously, yeah. I mean, I don't even care a whole lot about the Harry Potter movies, but I can clear, but I can acknowledge that they were huge, successful, right. and all that. But um, yeah, Chronicles. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna say, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like I remember because of the movie franchises back in the day, people used to say, "Are you a Lord of the Rings person or a Harry Potter person?" Which, right? Like for one, I mean, they're for one, they're way different tales than you know. They're they're it's it's really apples to oranges. But but purely in terms of they were both popular movie franchises, kind of in the same era. I would have still said Lord of the Rings because for the same reason, Lord of the Rings was a way deeper, more epic tale that dealt with a lot more like principled, right. like serious socio-political things. Like even if the movies were really made more for entertainment than that and, and loses some of the stuff from the books. And I, and I know some people like some hardcore scholarly types would say, Oh, the movies are terrible. Cause they did it. But when you look at the just breadth of material of, you know, Tolkien, I think yeah. that that particular series of movies was about as good yeah. as any director could do. So right. Lord of the Rings that, is better. That wasn't even the question. I'm just telling Celeste right, right. so that she knows Lord of the, Rings is, awesome. Lord of the right. Rings is better than Harry Potter. Chronicles of I, Narnia is better than Harry Potter. And Lord of the Rings is better than Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. I, I think the the thing is, is that, you know, they're dealing with issues that mean more when you have like, you know, C.S. Lewis is never going to revise the Chronicles of Narnia to be woke. That's, I mean, even if he were alive, he wouldn't do that. Those things, those principles meant a lot to him and they really mattered. And I think J.K. Rowling, you know, she's kind of fallen to the wokest crowd. And, and it, you know, those aren't, those aren't principles that live forever. You know, big archetypal stories that like Jordan Peterson would talk about. Well, it's funny that you say that because not only do those principles not live forever, they're like rolling is already dead because they're they're the left mob right. already coming for her because she said some anti-transgender stuff yeah. allegedly. Not, you not know, woke enough. She's not woke enough. Yeah, so like they've already come for her. Yeah. I mean, I think in 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 I mean, this is weird to say. I think in some ways Tolkien is immune to that because let's face it the low iq status people who are about wokeism <laughs> aren't reading lord of the rings true number yeah. one and two he's dead so they yeah. don't have a live person to scream at right. whereas rolling is here therefore we're gonna scream yeah. at her you just you just burn those books not those people yeah exactly <laughs> burn those people uh eric eli writes uh dear alan and sherry uh, this is the too early section of It's Too Late. Who are the prospects for 2024 presidential nominations for Republican, Libertarian, and Democratic Party? Um, okay, so we'll do, so Republican Party first. I feel Cruz is going to run again, right? Like, 
I mean, he's 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 on the train of running every time. You might as well just keep running until he's not in politics anymore. Um, I feel like Rand Paul will run again. Yeah. No. Probably. I'm at, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He might have had enough by now, but I, I doubt it. He might have had enough, but I think I think Rand probably fancies himself as he thinks he did a good job of rubbing elbows right. with Trump. So if Trump is out of the game, which I've said on a previous episode, I think he is, then Rand is going to say, I'm just going to grab that MAGA and, you know, steer I think him. Cruz is definitely trying to do that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, my thing back in the day when, when, when Cruz was still early on the scene and Rand had only been in the Senate recently, that a lot of people... I mean, literally, as Ron Paul was exiting stage left, a lot of people were really hoping that Rand was going to take over the mantle. Which, A, no. Um, and, right. and B, like, he didn't even endorse his dad in 2012. Right. So. But, weak. Weak. But even that being neither here nor there, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, Cruz and Paul are like these tight allies in Congress, so that's that's going to be the team right there. But then Cruz threw his hat in to run after yeah. Rand had already announced he was running. So that clearly shows you they're right. really not interested in being a team. They're really more interested in who right. can win. And so it was mm -hmm. just it was just a no go from minute one. So they'll definitely run. The establishment choice is going to be some loser like Nikki Haley or Liz Cheney. The Republic. This is uh. this is what they'll do. The, the the Republicans who are trying to appeal to the leftist mob will say, look, we have a woman too. Right. But it'll be just the and they most... just happen to be the worst warmongering. Exactly. It'll be it's it'll be like a Hillary Clinton. Like they'll be they'll be aghast that their woman doesn't win in the same way right. that the left was aghast that Hillary didn't want. That anyone that can take half a step back and look at the picture can see, well, she didn't win because she's one of the worst human beings. Mm -hmm. And they they need to convince Condi Rice to run. That's like, that's the only, that's the, you know, the Republicans big everything winner. Yep. The big, I doubt she will. Yeah. Her running mate will be something. Right. Right. <laughs> How can we lose? Um, so that's Republicans, libertarians, who gives a shit. Um, and Justin Amash it, will run. It'll, it'll, be it'll be Dave Smith and Justin Amash and then Amash will win. <laughs> and then all the Smith people will be really angry that darn it. We just can't seem to get Liberty on track. Imagine that politics doesn't work. Um, boy, I just made a lot of people mad. Democratic party. Um, I mean, if Biden's Elizabeth still alive, Warren. there's no reason to think like if Biden is still alive and in good health, like they're not. Because they would be taking a huge risk to unseat their own incumbent. Yes. So he would have to be on board with that. Like, he would have to say, oh, four years is enough for me. Here's our lovely Kamala. If, if they do make it through four years rel relatively unscathed, and Kamala says, well, it's my turn, then they're really submarining themselves for the same thing as Hillary, for the same thing as Liz Cheney, is that she's an incredibly mm -hmm. unliked person. So you're hurting yes. your own chances if the party acquiesces to giving her a turn. Um, which means they'll probably do it. There you go. <laughs> uh, Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, if you could live in any era but the current, which would it be and why? Oh, thanks for letting me go first. I mean, I've always wanted to live in the future. I know that's not I mean this is this is why you can't be the producer, Sherry, because we <laughs> we say too many of the same things, so we don't have anything to riff off of. 
I was right, I was well. going to say that I was going to ask Andrew, does the future count as an era right. I could pick to live in? Because does altered carbon count? <laughs> every person who says, "Oh, I really loved it back in 19 tickety," you're lying. You won't right, have yeah. your phones. You won't have your internets. You won't. You're you're gonna be rolling your window up like this. Right. It's it's just it's Dude, just garbage, man. Especially if you're a woman, you're gonna be dying in childbirth and banging clothes on a rock. No, There's thank a, you. I love the <laughs> I like my technology. I love the Louis C.K. bit where he says, "You know, black people don't mess with time machines. Like anything before 1980. <laughs> oh no, thank you. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I'm I'm fine right here." <laughs> Um, Thank you very much. So, so everyone who says that's just lying. Um, he also asks, by the way, do you think the world will be a better or worse place at your expiration date? Um, I feel like that's an impossible question to answer because it because that's subjective. One and two. I mean, you'd have to define the world being better. Like, right. if your family and community and technology and science and health are better then it's hard to say the world's a worse place. But if we're getting ready to start World War III with Iran, then the world would, in fact, not be a better place. So I feel like that's impossible to answer. So, Andrew, you are you are suspended for one week. <laughs> Clay Davis writes, I'm just kidding, Andrew. Uh, Dear Alan and Sherry, what's your favorite Western film? Sherry. Oh, 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 me, me. Okay, um, all right. I love The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Okay. I, I love that movie. I'm not a big fan of westerns, but there are some I love, and most of them contain Clint Eastwood. I guess I have to say that. No, you don't say. Yeah, The Outlaw Josie Wales. I love that one too. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is oh, primo. I tell you what, I'm going to say True Grit. That's a good one too. I'm gonna That's s- a really good I'm going to say The original? I'm going to say True Grit, and now I'm going to be real conscious. I've already pissed everybody off about talking about the LP. The remake's better than the original. Don't at me. I no, I agree with you. I agree with well, you. Well, you know that John there's a Wayne lot of people who just the original, but... there's a lot of people who just by default say the original is always better because you know rosy color glasses and all that. No, dude, the modern True Grit's a good movie. It was so good. So Tombstone is another great one. That's a great movie. I like how you had already made your picks and then we had moved on and, but, uh, but suddenly as we're going to the next question, Oh, but tombstone's pretty good. Jonathan Carranza writes, dear Alan and Sherry, one of my goats got sick and died recently. <laughs> this is really more a question for Blake. I think I don't know. So, wait, hold on. Jonathan, look at Sherry's response to your goat dying. I'm really crying on the inside. Wow. Sorry. There's some, there's, there's there's something for you to work out there. Goat. I think. Should yeah. I have it tested for the Cabrona virus? Cabrona. He's trying to. He's trying. I've I've noticed <laughs> that about every week, one or two people try to engage in a pun war with Andrew, and I don't like it's the not... direction this is going. <laughs> so, but anyway, Jonathan, I really need to forward you to Blake. Where, wherever Blake is now, in the great beyond, he died, and that's why he's not on the show anymore. Uh, you, but you know Blake's going to ignore his, his request anyway. Oh, so yeah. Okay. We got some unre- <laughs> There's a lot of unresolved issues on this program, between you laughing at the dead animals and, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Andrew Avery's pun this week, I'm not even going to announce it as a question. Andrew Avery's pun this week is, did the hedge fund managers take it in the shorts? Oh, 
<laughs> and finally, Rachel Watson Kennerly. Oh, look, I'm still a top fan, even after not asking a question for a couple of weeks. How is that even possible? <laughs> she seems so nice. She seems so nice. But then those questions are a little, a little under, you know. Well, okay. A few weeks ago, she had asked <laughs> a, a few weeks ago, she had asked a question and I, and, and I kind of, I answered the question with a non-answer, but if you've ever watched the show before, that's kind of, kind of what we do. And then we talk about Tombstone. And then, and then she wrote, <laughs> and then she left a question like a week or two after that and said, why should I ask another question when you haven't answered my last question? But unlike Lyle, that actually is a question. And so I answered that question with, that's just how I roll. And now she's wondering why she's still a top fan. You're still a top fan because you keep leaving such engaging questions. That's, there you go. That's, that's the only answer. Um, well, we're way over time. That's, I'm sorry. I'm a terrible producer. <laughs> that's such a shame, too, because we have a guest this week. A great guest. It is a great, great guest. guest. Guys, we're going to be back with our friend Mike Meharry of the 10th Amendment Center to talk about Robin Hood, stocks and shorts and everything in between. We'll be right back. This break. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, needs no introduction on this program. I, I forgot to I forgot to count how many appearances it's been. Dadgummit. I've been trying to keep track of this. I don't know how many appearances it's been. It's more than the number of appearances I've had on Godarchy. I can't imagine why that is. <laughs> the National Communications Director of the 10th Amendment Center, as well as a content director for Schiff Gold, who's here to talk about all the financial hubbub going on in the news. It's Mike Meharry. Mike, oh. have you have you managed to stick around for the show? Hello. Hello. Good day. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, it's going, you know. Uh, uh, tombstone. I, tombstone. Two thumbs up. To, to, is that your favorite? It is. It is your favorite. Yeah. Is it because I'll be, of your, Sam, I'll be your Huckleberry. I was going to say, is it because of, is it become a, of Sam Elliott is there, or is it because of Val Kilmer? I don't know. I just think it's a, I like the whole movie. It's just a good movie. All right. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we're going to introduce the topic for this week. So we're, we're, we're a little bit late to the show because, I mean, we do a weekly show, so sue me. But we're going to be talking a little bit about the whole fiasco with the shorting of stocks and Robinhood and, and r slash Wall Street bets on Reddit. So we're going to start off by talking about some of the losses that the big firms have taken. This is, this is from Reuters. L losses on short positions in U.S. firms top $70 billion. So that was from a few days ago. So I know that number has gone up and also then back down. But we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, and then there's also the Robinhood app has has had its name drunk through the mud in this because they've been making some questionable decisions with their user base being allowed or not allowed to make buys or sells based on quote the market volatility. 
And to be totally fair, I mean, Mike, this is market volatility, right? It's not that they're lying that this isn't market volatility. I think it's more people questioning the the motives and opportunity of groups like Robinhood to sort of nudge movement in the stocks one way or the other. So I'm, I'm going to start with you right there. So first of all, we're going to kind of take a layman's approach to all this for people who have seen it in the news, but they're not invested in the market. They don't know anything about trading stocks. They they see a bunch of movement. They see it in the news. They see that a lot of rich people are mad and, and a lot of in this huge populist movement is saying, aha, I got you. But they don't really understand anything past who is and isn't upset and what the corporate press tells them, which, shocker, the corporate press is is often a little bit slanted. So we're going to start right there, Mike. So first of all, what is going long on a stock versus short on a stock? And what would be an example of a stock one would want to be long on versus a stock one would want to be short on? Well, let's start with the longs. Longs are easier to understand. Basically, you're just thinking, oh, this stock is going to go up. So you buy it to hold it until it goes up. So that's that's your long position. Um, you know, something that you might want to be long in is, uh, say, gold mining stocks. If you think gold is going to go up because of Federal Reserve money printing, uh, you look at uh, gold mining stocks, think, oh, these are pretty low right now. I'm going to buy them. I'm going to hold them. And then uh, hopefully they'll go up and I'll make money. So so long is basically what most people think of when they're thinking investing in stocks long term. And uh, they, you know, they're expecting to make money because they feel like that stock is going to go up in value. That's as opposed to a short, which is a little bit harder to understand. Uh, but when you short a stock, you're basically saying, I think this stock is going to go down in value. So what you can actually do is you can go and um, you can borrow certain stocks and you borrow them from a broker. You sell those stocks at the price that they're currently selling at, and then you wait until that stock goes down in price, you buy the stock back, you pocket the difference and give the stock back to the person that you borrowed it from. Now, you can see where you can get in trouble right now. And that brings us right into what happened with these big hedge funds. They had shorted uh, GameStop uh, was the primary stock, but also others. AMC was another biggie because as you already talked about, these are kind of dying business models you know nobody's going to to the mall to buy their uh, video game cartridges anymore and so a lot of these big hedge funds uh, the the investment giants had shorted GameStop sh uh, stock in fact i heard that it was like the most shorted stock ever in history or something to that effect and so um what happened was that these folks on reddit said you know what we could squeeze these dudes by buying a bunch of this stock and moving the price up. Well, they're expecting the price to go down. So when the price starts moving up, they have a bit of a problem. And if it starts to go way up, then they're going to have to sell out of their short positions in order to get that stock back so they can give it back to whoever they borrowed it from. And then they're losing lots of money. And then it creates what's called a short squeeze, which is when the short positions start to uh, buy those stock back so they can give them back to who they borrowed them from. Uh, this makes the price go up more. The more buying, the more the price goes up, and then the bigger the squeeze gets. So it kind of creates this cycle, and that's exactly what we saw with GameStop. Uh, the the price went up what like six hundred percent or some crazy number like that. Sure, yeah. 
Well, okay, so a, a couple of things in there that I, I kind of want to touch on is I think a lot of people, I think some people who even are are sort of tangentially informed about the stock market, maybe they didn't understand the concept of borrowing and shorting until recently. Like, like what's, what's right. borrow? I didn't think you could borrow a stock. I thought you bought a stock and I thought you sold a stock and you owned it when you, right. when you bought it. Um, so I think that that's something that, that is sort of new to the national consciousness. And I think the second thing is, and, and I'm trying really hard in our analysis today, I think you and I both sort of have kind of our, our bleeding heart feelings about who we would like to see win and lose. But right. who we would like to see win and lose based on our feely feels, I, I, I don't feel like that's very valuable. I think we should, I think we should assess it honestly and be, and be frank with both sides where they could be right or wrong. And so I kind of want to I kind of want to launch into that for a second. You're you're hearing a lot of the 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 market elites, so to speak, the the hedge fund types, the the millionaires and billionaires, as Sanders would say. They're upset with this because they're saying, you know, these people who are sort of engaging in a short squeeze, you know, the, the, these are not principled investors who saw an opportunity and latched onto it, and then they're going to make a buck, and then they're going to reinvest somewhere else in the market. They're doing it because it's just sort of this amorphous populist blog on an internet forum and some guy that or guys who runs the forum says, hey, let's do this. It'll be funny. Or will, you know, some people have kind of connected it to, you know, a lot of these fir these rich types who got bailed out in 2007 and 2008 while the rest of us were taking a haircut. This is an opportunity for us to strike back at them, even if we're perhaps acting in. To, to use a more uh, uh, academic word, acting irrationally, perhaps they're doing it purely, you know, sort of out of spite. Um, now, I'm not saying I'm losing any sleep over the hedge fund managers taking a loss, but do you think that there's actually a little bit of, little bit of truth to their complaint? I mean, I, it all depends on how you look at it. You know, the market is what it is, and the market doesn't care about anybody's feels or really anybody's opinion. All the market cares about is where the money's going. And, you know, you can, we can analyze that, oh, you know, these people weren't being principled. They're just trying to stick it to the, but the bottom line is they threw a bunch of money into a stock for whatever reason they did it. And the stock did exactly what a stock is going to do uh, when you buy it up, the price of the stock went up. And the fact of the matter is whenever you take a short position, you are taking on a risk. You know, and uh, that's the nature of the beast. So it's really hard to feel sorry for them uh, because that's the way the market works. And, you know, this kind of stuff has been going on forever. I mean, you have the guy that that has the big investment newsletter and he sends out to all his guys, hey, buy ABC company. And, you know, he he's holding a bunch of ABC companies, so he gets all of his people to buy it and it goes up a little bit and he sells his shares. You know, I mean, this is this is nothing new. This has been going on in, in markets for for decades within the trading circles. I think what really rankles the uh, folks that are, you know, kind of the in the know mainstream hedge fund guys is the fact that these these uh these dweebs on social media, as they look at it, did this to them. You know, they're not supposed to be able to play the game and, and we'll take our risk, but we're not going to take our risk from these guys. Well, you know, too bad. That's just the, that's the way the market crumbles. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely see that. Um, 
I, I sort of kind of making the analogy because you know you and I are the sports ball guys, and and we had our our weekly you know Allen's sunken cost money pit where I would be making picks for for sports gamblers out there, and and you know irrevocably people are people like to make gambling analogies when it comes to the to the stock market, which which I think is totally fair. I think in you know, from a, I guess from a legal standpoint, you know, buying and selling of stocks is not legally considered gambling. If if you live in a state where gambling is illegal, you can still buy and sell stocks. Um, but that's not fair, though, right? It absolutely is. It absolutely is a gamble in in so much as you're picking winners and losers the same way you would teams in in football. But I think something that's that's interesting to point out here is that both in both in the sports gambling world and in the stock world. There's a reason why betting the money line, or for, for people who don't know that, it's just picking a winner and a loser. You know, when, when Alabama plays UAB, Alabama-Birmingham, if all you had to do to win a million dollars was bet a million dollars on who would win, Alabama or UAB, everyone would be a millionaire, right? Because everyone would pick Alabama to beat UAB. But that's not how it works. You have to you would probably have to pick the point spread. Well, what if Alabama's a 40-point favorite and they only win by 39? Well, now you've lost the bet. And vice versa, and this is something kind of like a criticism for myself from, from my sports betting days, is I would often look at what teams I thought would win, and that, and I would put money on who I was picking to win. But there's a, there's a flip side to picking winners. It's also picking losers, right? And that's kind of where the 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 short the, the shorting of stocks and the short squeeze front comes from is that it's easy for you and I to be sitting here and saying you know what I'm I'm long on IBM yeah whoa what what amazing financial <laughs> advice that is right but but of course that's why the stock is so valuable and that's why it would cost you so much to buy in right because it's it's right. it's it's such a high performer it's it's way more challenging but possibly lucrative. To go the other route is well, let me identify the companies that I feel like we can hear their death now, and and I'm gonna and I'm gonna do what the hedge fund guys do. So I, I guess I kind of want to expound on that a little bit for people that this is not so much a crazy new phenomenon so much as it is what the redditors have done is maybe just shine a little bit brighter spotlight on a practice that's been around for as long as it's been around. Well, and let's look at it a different way. Let's say that instead of folks on Reddit message boards uh, encouraging each other to buy the stock and, and running the price up that way, let's say that uh, you know a couple of weeks ago, GameStop announced that it had uh, created this new streaming technology and it was going to be able to stream games in some magic way that's never been done before. Well, all of a sudden, uh, GameStop stock would have surged just like it did with this uh, with this uh, Reddit thing, and you would have had the same short squeeze. So it, it is always a gamble. I mean, you're, when you're shorting a stock, you're assuming that that stock price is going to go down, so you're assuming the status quo. Uh, as, as Sherry put it so eloquently, we smell the, uh, the stench of death when we walk into the store. And, and so they're betting on that, and they think it's a good bet. Well, you know, they got burned this time around and and uh, you know there's a reason for this uh the the whole long and short these these positions they're really 
they really pull things to the middle when it's all said and done. You know, when a stock kind of gets weird one way or the other, you know, when you see a bunch of shorts, then uh, and and you realize that well, this company is is way more valuable than that. Then uh, you know, you're going to have other people that are going to come into the long position, and wherever there's a loss, there's going to be a corresponding gain, uh, and and so it kind of pulls things to the middle and, and creates a, a, a more stable market, even though you have this short-term volatility. And we're seeing that in GameStop today. Uh, it's it's heading back to the, the median of, of the stench of death because there's no way it was going to sustain that that level of pricing because the company's not worth that. Well, and and I was actually going to address we'll we'll address that more in the next segment, but I'll, we'll we'll go ahead and kind of open up that can of worms right now. Is that a lot of people you you see the phrase bandied around market manipulation? That's 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 such a poisonous phrase because it gets used both directions. So the hedge fund guys right. are going to say, you know, these evil redditors, they're engaging in market manipulation. And, and, and again, to be totally fair, in some sense, there's truth to that in concept, because if mm -hmm. you do have a million people on Reddit who, they, look, these are not market mavens, right? I feel, you know, like these are not regular brokers. And they're, and, and so they're buying into something because some guy said, let's do that. If, if enough of us do it, it's, I mean, it's like voting for our grassroots candidate, but if enough of us do it, we're going to make change. <laughs> And so it's abs it's not based necessarily – now, don't get me wrong. You you could, as an independent person, have said, you know what? I, I see what the hedge funds are doing, and yeah, I think if, if there's enough capital, we could squeeze this thing, and I, and I could come out looking good. So I'm not saying right. that that didn't happen for anyone. I'm sure there were some people that looked at it and said, yeah, this might be a, a good move. But – Let's be honest. The reason why there's a difference between the Redditors and the hedge fund guys is the hedge fund guys have billion-dollar hedge funds to work with, whereas the Redditors are just a bunch of individual people with a $600 stimulus check. And so they, right. they had to combine that capital on sort of a populist type of a move in order to move the market so significantly as it moved. And so to, to open up that can of worms about market manipulation, I can see in concept – that one could argue, well, they're manipulating the market because it's not it's not grounded in in financial advice. It's totally grounded in in uh, you know a, a kind of like a political movement more than it is a stock movement. On the other hand, if if you have like a handful of major hedge funds that are worth billions and billions of dollars, and they collectively get together and decide. Well, GameStop's going to die. Maybe there's a fraction of the population that genuinely thinks, as you point out, hey, GameStop could come up with something. They're not dead yet. They could come up with something. It could turn around. But we're going to short it, and that's going to, you know, we're. how is that not market manipulation, but what the Redditors did is market manipulation? Right. Well, and what does the Federal Reserve do every single day? I mean, if you look at the overall stock market, you have record stock valuations right now in the midst of what is clearly still a recession due to the government shutting everything down for the pandemic. There's there's no way that there's any economic connection with the stock market valuations that we see today and the actual economic reality on the ground. That's all juiced by the Federal Reserve's monetary policy. And, you know, who's getting all of the money that's printed by the Federal Reserve? Well, it's the bankers, the, you know, the people that are running these big hedge funds. So, you know, the, the, the game is rigged from that side all the time. It's it, Again, it's hard to feel sorry for these people because they're just getting a taste of their own medicine. And he had some, some, 
you know, dudes uh, on Main Street came in and, and made a little ripple ripple on Wall Street. And I mean, there's there's this part of me that says more power to them, but it does reveal that reality that, you know, in, in many ways, I mean, manipulation is what the market is, especially in, in a crony capitalist system that that we've evolved into today. It's not free market in any way, shape or form. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head right there that a, a lot of people who, again, they're involved in this thing more because it's a movement and not because they have a principled intellectual underpinning to their decision making process. And so because I mean, I bought I love GameStop. Man. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 amen, brother. <laughs> and AMC. Let's get all those theaters open. Uh, but yeah, but to that point is because they don't kind of have that principled intellectual underpinning and because it's really just a populist movement, you have a lot of people within that movement who, when potential regulations come along, they'll think they'll welcome them, which is bad. Or, yes. or they, they, you know, no one's talking about the Federal Reserve and fiat in Wall Street bets. That's not, that's not really tripping people's tongues because they don't, they don't really get where the, the market manipulation really comes from. They're just trying to engage in the system. And, and again, right. don't get me wrong, you know, you and I can't, like, I can't end the Fed. You, you and I can't end the Fed. So... In some sense, it's like, well, if you, you know, it's kind of like you can't beat them, you join them, right? Like, well, if I, if I really have no control over, over fixing the quote unquote market manipulation, then the next best thing I can do is to engage in the manipulation best I can. And if that's not the capitalist spirit, I don't know what is. But we're actually. Wait, wait, wait. Are you, are you telling me if I don't, if, if I vote harder, I can't in the fed i've already i already po'd all the other libertarians talking uh -huh. about amash and smith earlier mike you don't 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 all right. sorry I, yeah I should, don't I die should. on that hill with me so we're actually going to come back from the break to talk about a few of the power players in this conversation and then and then mike and i are sort of going to give our um predictions on how this is all going to ultimately play out when we come back from the break If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Guys, welcome back to It's Too Late. I'm here with my guest today, Mike Meharry of the Tenth Amendment Center. So I'm gonna I'm gonna display a few names really quickly, and then we'll go into it. First is Stephen Cohen. Mike, I had actually messaged you earlier in the week, said, "Hey, what do you know about the Stephen Cohen guy?" And you said, "Who?" So so for people who don't know, Stephen Cohen, for one, he's the owner of the Mets. So bless his heart, right? He's also a guy that's valued at something like $16 billion. So keep that number in the back of your head. This guy's net worth is $16 billion. So believe it or not, as of the time of this recording, he's actually deleted his Twitter because he was getting so much hate and, and tagging on Twitter. And people who he knew personally who were calling him out as being tangentially related to all of this Robin Hood and stock shorting squeeze um, controversy... And he started reaching out to these people saying, you know, what's your beef with me? I'm just trying to make a living just like you. Happy to take this offline. Now, again, I'm really not trying to come out as someone who's necessarily saying I'm picking the winners and losers here emotionally. However, it, it's, it's quite rich 
pardon the pun, for someone who's valued at $16 billion to use the phrase, I'm just trying to make a living here. Uh, you know, I'm clearly just trying to make a living wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ain't that the dang truth? So you have Stephen Cohen, and then you have, of course, the great hero of the little man. It's Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren is someone who's practically made a political career as trying to brand herself as, I mean, socialist, but branding herself as the, the common working man's champion, fighting against the Wall Street fat cats, fighting against the economic and political elites. So what does she do? She writes a big fat letter in Congress and says that we need more regulation to stop this type of market instability. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a pause right there. Mike, do you think Elizabeth Warren is looking for regulation to combat market instability because she wants to help the poor Redditors with their $600 checks, or is she going to be helping Wait. Goldman Sachs? So with the with that big letter, that was the in the Fed letter? Is that what that oh. was? She's going to... You know what? I'm I'm willing to bet that no. the word Fed does not or Federal Reserve is does not even feature in her letter at all. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm you know, I, it's kind of like shorting a stock. I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say the probably the regulation that they'll come up with will probably benefit Goldman Sachs. And um, in fact, I'd be curious to know how much money Goldman Sachs donated to Elizabeth Warren's. Uh, various campaigns you know uh, they were a huge donor to barack obama I, I know that sherry can still hear us even though she's not in the scene sherry see if you can look up really quick how much money goldman sachs donated to elizabeth warren i'm just i'm just curious if that's some a number that we can find i see those things around all the time but last but not least mike what we're what we're talking about in this segment is, is some of the swamp monsters i mean when you're talking about market manipulation, real market manipulation, when you're talking about inflation and money printing and the government picking winners and losers, that's that's swamp monster central. And I know you just you won't guess it. Guess who is a senior advisor at Citadel, one of the main firms involved in the short squeeze? Oh, so many names run through my head. Tell ben me, Ben Bernanke. Ben freaking Bernanke. Ben freaking Bernanke. Tell us a little bit about how you're not surprised Ben Bernanke is somehow involved. You know, people who don't know, Ben Bernanke was a Federal Reserve chairman at the beginning of the 2008 financial crisis who didn't see it coming and uh, was the architect of quantitative easing, which is basically money printing and bond buying by the Federal Reserve. And uh, when he launched that little program back in 2009, 2008, uh, he swore before Congress that the Federal Reserve was not monetizing the debt, that it was not going to hold all of these bonds on its balance sheet, that it was a temporary emergency measure. Uh, just in case you're wondering how it all panned out, all of those bonds are still on the Federal Reserve's uh, balance sheet. So, yeah. so if big fat liar. Yeah. So if we if we can sum up our conversation so far, we we've talked a little bit about what what a shorting a stock is and the squeeze. Um, we've talked a little bit about um, how how Wall Street bets versus the hedge funds plays out, and how we're not necessarily here to pick winners and losers. We we can sympathize with 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 the common Wall Street bets guys, and we can say hi. I mean, we can all have a good belly laugh when the billionaires lose their shirts because they were because someone else engaged in the exact same type of market manipulation they did. But we're not we're, as 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 market 
free market people as libertarians. We're not saying we're picking winners and losers, though. If if it works out that the hedge funds lose their shirts, that's them's the bri- risks. That's the breaks. Mm-hmm. Vice versa. If if the poor Wall Street vet guys keep on pushing the narrative, but they're doing it out of spite and not out of financial sense, and a lot of those guys end up not getting a send their money back. That's the way the market works as well. So we're so we're going to end on on that note. How do you see now? Now that it's 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 not quite a full week, but we'll we'll say now that you've seen about a week of this playing out, GameStop, AMC, a handful of others, some of the some of the popular online traders restricting activity, people wondering out loud what the motives are and what firms own what firms and what and, and what firms are tied with what uh, hedge funds. How do you see all of this ultimately playing out? Well. You know, I think short term, you're going to see GameStop go back to somewhat close to what its original valuation is because that's the way the market works. And everybody knows that that's not a viable business model. And so a lot of those folks who, you know, bought in uh, on some kind of principle when GameStop was up 200, GameStop was up 200 or 300 percent, they're going to lose a bunch of money and, you know, pity on them. I think longer term, the ramifications are going to be interesting. I think in a lot of ways, it's going to go back to the status quo. But I think that there will probably, you know, I think Elizabeth Warren will get her way. I think there'll be some more regulation. And and I think they'll, you know, the, the people, if you're going to go, you know, they talk about playing on the home field. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they get to go play the Super Bowl in Raymond James Stadium this Sunday. They get to know, they know the field, they know the sight lines, they know how the wind works. There's certain advantages to playing on your home field. The hedge funds guys are playing on the home field. In fact, they own the referees. (laughs) So when it's all said and done, you're going to end up with uh, these regulations. They're going to make sure that this doesn't happen again because they're not going to lose their home field advantage to a bunch of dudes on Reddit. So, you know, I I think we're going to see more regulation out of it. I I think we'll eventually go back to the status quo and, uh, and, and and they'll try to figure out some other, other way to game the system. Uh, You know, we see these little movements that pop up and then, and then die out. I I kind of have a feeling that's what we're going to see here. Yeah, Mike, I I tend to agree with you. I had already said before that, you know, I know that that the the people running that group have really been pushing people, you know, hold hold on for dear life, hold hold on, hold on, keep hold the line as they're preaching, because in that way you're you're just putting continued pressure on the hedge funds, and you're seeing those seventy billion dollar plus losses mount. But as you've already pointed out, at the time of this recording, the market's already correcting. The market's yeah. already correcting, but. In some sense, that's exactly what you expect, because if GameStop as a company hasn't foundationally changed over the last week, which to my knowledge it hasn't, then there's no reason to believe that its its market price is going to continue to stay at that elevated level. Vice versa, if, if I had a group of those Wall Street bet guys here right now, I would be telling them, guys, the way the market, like you did a good thing, you, you there was a vulnerability and you exploited it. And I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not a market manipulation, you know, cry foul run to the state guy. I say good on you. That's what that's what the fat cats do every day of the week. Mm-hmm. But the way that they make out is that once they've exploited the weakness, then they cash in some of their chips. You if yep. you don't then turn around and cash out and make some of your money back to so that you have a larger pool to then turn around and invest in perhaps the next squeeze. 
then you didn't really play the game right. I'm right. I I really can't stress to people enough that on I I sympathize very much with those people. I sympathize with people who had very genuine, heartfelt, personal anecdotes of because there's a lot of young people in that group. Like let's like let's face it, a lot of the, these these are not 60, 70 year old retirees trending on Reddit talking about where they're going to invest. These are young people. And and I sympathize with some of those young people who said, you know, I remember, you know, my parents had a hard time in the early 2000s and the economy was mm-hmm. tanking and you know, my dad lost his job or my mom's 401k crashed. I I get that. I really do. And and far be it for me to judge people on how they make their investment decisions. It's none of my business how they make their investment decisions. If they make them, and in this case it works out, at least for a while, then obviously they know something I don't, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to turn that into a profit because right. what I'm af- what I'm terribly afraid is about to happen is these poor these poor sad sacks are about to find out that the that the market economy is not a profit economy. It's a profit and loss. Right. The, the, uh, there's an adage in investing, investing 101, you've got to know when to leave the party. And, uh, you know, I, I think even bigger picture, you know, looking at the broader stock market, I think people need to be aware of that and understand the bigger manipulation that is going on with the Fed, with the money printing, with the debt. All of these things are going to implode at some point. This stock market's not going to keep going up forever, broadly speaking. So, You've got to know when to leave the party. There, there is always money to be made, and there's always money to be lost, and uh, you have to, you have to be thoughtful about what's going on. So, you know, I, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Macro, looking at the big picture, I think that we're sitting on a giant bubble uh, that you know is not unsimilar to what GameStop blew up into, but it's the entire economy, and so it's probably wise to to be prepared for that. Uh, Mike, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about this uh, particular financial-related episode. Where can people find more Mike Meharry goodness? Well, you can go to my website, michaelmeharry.com. You can always go to the Tenth Amendment Center, tenthamendmentcenter.com. And if you're interested in this uh, this finance, you know, the, the Reddit people kind of got into silver a little bit this week. Uh, you can go to shiftgold.com slash news. I write over there two or three articles a day. And uh, I've really broken down in more detail, particularly with the silver market, kind of what's going on. And you'll get the bigger picture with the Fed and the money printing and all of that stuff. So check that out. Thanks you so much, Mike. Guys, we will be back to wrap up the show right after this. Don't go away.
like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Twitter at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. Uh, we're out of time this week, guys. Also, uh, we're on Odyssey now. O-D-Y-S-E-E. It's a new video platform. It's a, it's done by the uh, um, LBRY folks. So I, I actually really like their platform. It's it's definitely a uh, blockchain, decentralized, free speech platform that hopefully won't uh, go the way of Parler. So we're on Odyssey now. You can check us out there. It's Alan Mosley TV. Um... We're, we're way over time. Really quick, Sherry, did you find out how much Elizabeth Warren has been donated from Goldman Sachs? I, I was I was looking for it, but I was on Google, so I couldn't find anything. So I was trying to go somewhere. <laughs> just go. Well, the, the, where everyone can find that information is euthanasia.com slash Warren, and we will see you next week. <laughs>